Oh, it seems like they it's time and we haven't started yet. I, oh, yes we look, have. Man, I'm just a talent. We have started. It's not, it's not I am a thousand percent not in charge around here. Hey everybody, I'm Kyle <laughs> Rizal. Welcome back to Make Me Smart, where we make today make sense. And I am Kimberly Adams. Thanks to everyone for joining us on the podcast and folks who are watching on the YouTube live stream for Happy Hour Friday or Economics on Tap, as it's known. And do notice the swag today. Hold on. I've got a new computer. I got to see if you can actually see the swag. Swag, hoodie. And Kimberly's got the hat, too. I got the hat. Here we go. And the hoodie. You're all over this, man. We're all swagged out. I got to fix that. Swagged out. That's what we are. Why does my head? Why, why does my head look all cut off? There we go. All right. Is that better? Sorry, I'm just looking down at the YouTube because it's all about the pictures. Anyway, so here we are. We're gonna do uh, what we usually do on a Friday. We'll do the news fix. A little half full, half empty. Uh, Drew's in charge of that. Uh, audience poll on the last one. We'll take a quick spin through and see what people are drinking. Um, yes. And there we go. Debbie Donovan says, "Doesn't Kimberly look great in the beanie?" She does. Thank you, Debbie. Appreciate there? it. Where's Jasper? Yeah. Oh, there's He's right there. Gotcha. He's right, watching you, actually. Yeah, well. <laughs> He's definitely staring right at your face. <laughs> uh, yes. <laughs> all right. What else do we uh, have? So let's see. Uh, what are you, what are you drinking? Bourbon apple all, ginger way, smash. Anything. Oh, right. Oh, I could drink I'm that. Um, being a little bit lazy today. I've got pomegranate juice and tequila with some rosemary bitters. <laughs> I don't think the gill is ever, you know, going uh, lazy. Uh, so I'm doing a, something different, a little Voodoo Ranger uh, Juice Force Hazy IPA, uh, mm. 9.5% ABV, which is which is kind of a lot. Also, it's a, it's almost a little too uh, too fruity. I don't know. We'll see. Of course, by the bottom of it, Ooh. it'll be 9.5% ABV, so I won't care. Brett Sharp agrees with me on the Voodoo. Yeah, it's a little fruity. It's a little fruity. All right. Yes, let's do the news fix. I'll go first because okay. mine's All a follow-up right. yeah. to the story I was talking yeah. about earlier this week about the yep. DNC reshuffling the primary calendar. And lo and behold, today they voted to drastically change it. Yeah. Um, and that's after Joe Biden recommended that they elevate South Carolina to go first. So now, let's see. I'm reading here from Politico. And let's see. Da, 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 da. The revised proposal would see South Carolina host the first 2024 presidential primary on February 3rd, a Saturday, followed three days later by New Hampshire and Nevada. Georgia would then hold an early primary on February 13th, and Michigan would hold its contest on February 27th. Iowa would be out of the early lineup altogether. So the little mom-and-pop diners in Iowa can finally have a break from the... (laughs) hundreds and thousands of political reporters that would descend on them every prime primary and caucus season. But like I said earlier in the week, there is a ton of money and logistics and power and influence wrapped up in this. Is it a done deal? Is this the way it's going to be? They they voted on it. It looks like it was a near unanimous vote. Let's see. This oh, is the... Members of the party's Rules and Bylaws Committee who okay. are charged with recommending the new calendar. So, I mean, I doubt that – I mean, obviously the DNC has to – like the broader DNC will have to vote on these things. But I doubt it's going to get overturned at this point. Yeah. I have to imagine they want to project unity on this. 
Yeah, for sure. Now, what are the Republicans going to do? Are they going to match? Or Don't they know. Stay That's the actually a big question. That's a big question. Huh. Like, I mean, for all the reasons the Democrats wanted to move it, uh, there's the same reasons the Republicans might want to stay the same. You know, Iowa's right. quite Republican now. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. Hmm. So I don't think they've had it'll be interesting their meetings yet. It, it'll be interesting to see. Well, so look, so. I mean, let's play this out. Assuming Biden runs in 2024, this is a nothing burger of a story, right? Do you agree mm-hmm. or disagree? Um, right. Yes. If Biden runs in 2024, it doesn't matter because it won't be really a meaningful primary. True. Right. So really what we're talking about here is 2028. Yes. If Biden right. definitely runs, which he said he's going to do. But there is a growing chorus within the Democratic Party trying to convince him not to. And what it reminds me of actually is the um, pressure that was on Ruth Bader Ginsburg to step down from the Supreme Court and let Obama take that, make a nomination there. And there is certainly a a group of discourse that would say that a lot of what we're experiencing right now with the Supreme Court is because of that. It's it's. I, I don't think it's actually debatable. It's not a discourse. It's just a statement of fact, right? I mean, I mean, that's it's, why, it's that's a why super majority. Yes, right. this is true. But um, right. you know, it, yeah. Anyhow, that's a whole other thing. Yeah. But it's just that you know, the pressure for a Supreme Court justice to step down is such a delicate thing, and Ruth Bader Ginsburg was such a sort of trailblazer in, in what she was mm-hmm. doing mm-hmm. and so like on the one hand I get it and she couldn't possibly have predicted this out well she might have been able to but you know it, it is what it is yeah yeah I just I'm I'm very curious on the Biden running question I'm, I'm on the record as saying I think he decides not to run I said that mm. on pivot with with Kara Swisher a number of weeks ago uh, mm-hmm. I think he will realize that being an 80 year old man 82 at the time of the election, right, uh, will not be good for the party or the country. But I think it's going to take his family. It's going to take Jill going to him and saying, hey, Joe, you can't do this. Well, there was a lot of writing after Nancy Pelosi stepped down saying Mm -hmm. that, Mm -hmm. you know, this was sort of a nod to the fact that that generation needs to release the reins and make space. And, you know, that that could include Biden as well. Yeah, I keep thinking of, of of the John F. Kennedy inaugural address, right? Let the word be passed, let the torch be passed to a new generation, right? And that, I think, is where we are with the democratic leadership. Anyway, this is not a political podcast. <sighs> so we'll move on. But it Even all comes it's, down it's to, to money, doesn't it? <laughs> it yeah, yeah, it kind of does. kind of does. All right, what are yours? Uh, all right. so, so here's mine. It's, it's, uh, it's from Betsy Stevenson, who's a, an economist, a labor economist at the University of Michigan. Um, posting today some charts uh, from the University of Michigan Center on um, Poverty Solutions, uh, which is really, really interesting. Read it in full. We'll put it there. But she points out that in this morning's jobs report, which is, of course, the November jobs report, 263,000 jobs added, women gained 62% of the jobs added in November, which, yay, right, is really good. But then you go on to read, excuse me, that most of those job gains occurred in education and health services, which is, number one, very female-dominated as labor sectors, mm. and also, number two, not extremely well-paid, or maybe extremely not well-paid is a better way to put that. And so it's a little, it's a little um, 
yay, but not yay. And that's just so, worth pointing out. I'm typing furiously here because there was this New York Times yeah. story that I saw um, the other day that it would – the headline is, Why are middle-aged men missing from the labor market? <laughs> Okay. And it's Sorry. really interesting. Yeah. Gina, who was on your show today, is one of the co-authors Gina's, of right. this piece. Right. Yes, Gina Smilek. And it apparently, like, middle-aged men have been steadily declining in their labor force participation. And yep. economists are really struggling to figure out why. And so, as you're, you know, when you mentioned that, you know, women are coming back to the, the labor force and getting these jobs, it, that made it remind me of that story. Yeah. So the interesting thing about Gina's story is that these men are, are casualties of, of the 2008 financial crisis is the way Gina and mm-hmm. Ben Castleman and their reporting pointed out. But I will tell you, so, so Gina was on Marketplace this afternoon. And what happens is that we go to air at two o'clock LA time uh, uh, for Marketplace. And so I get into the studio about 156, 157, and Gina's there chit-chatting with Heather Long, who's at the Washington Post. She's an editorial uh, writer there now. She's on the editorial board. And they were chit-chatting, and I joined the conversation, and I said hi. And Heather said, by the way, Gina, 35 to 44-year-old men, middle-aged, what are you thinking? And I climbed in and said, are you kidding me, 35 to 44 is middle-aged? What am I, like a geriatric senior citizen person? So we had a little oh, laugh before the show went on the air. Oh, oh yeah. Gosh. Yeah, you're like, hello, 35 to 44 middle-aged? <laughs> Shut up. Shut and actually, I'm up. just thinking that means that I'm middle-aged, which I hadn't really thought I of know. myself as. Welcome to it, okay. sister. I'm just telling you, it doesn't, you know doesn't feel so good, does it? Doesn't feel so you good, know, does it? I kind of love it. I feel like I'm going to peak <laughs> in my 40s. I do. I do. Oh, I did. Oh, I definitely did. I definitely you know? did. But then I turned 50 and it was all over. Yeah. So, you know. Anyway. All right. Anyway, <laughs> I'm feeling quite anyway, good anyway, about anyway. my 40s. Okay, what's oh your other one? Oh, my God. Oh, my. No, that was it. It was just, the, the other one was a link to the whole study from, from the, the um, uh. University of Michigan Center. And we'll just put it in the show notes. But it's, it's actually a really interesting read on the labor market and what's going on and women and where jobs are coming and people should read it and we'll put it on the show. That's it. That's what I got. Oh my God, Drew, save me. (laughs) All right. This is Half Full, Half Empty. It's a game hosted by Drew Jostad where we reveal how we're feeling about stories from the week for the newbies here. Half full means we're feeling good to positive-ish about them. Uh, Half empty means, you know, we don't. And for all those on the YouTube live stream, please feel free to weigh in. And we're going to have a poll on the last question that you can click Mm -hmm. and you can tell us your votes in real time. We can see how we all line up, if at all. Drew, take it away. Are you half full or half empty on what Spotify wrapped can tell us about the state of our data privacy? (laughs) You go first, guy. Well, so look, so I think these Spotify rap things are fun. And for the past couple of years, they've been really amusing for me just as a, as a sort of a, hmm, here's what you've been listening to. This year, somehow my account got mixed up with a family account, which somehow got mixed up with a kid's accounts. And I don't know exactly what happened, but mine is all out of whack, which is why you're not seeing on our social feeds. Um, we have no data privacy. We have no data privacy. Get over it. As, as Scott McNeely from Sun Microsystems said, lo, these many decades ago, we have no privacy. Get over it. So I actually don't have Spotify, um, and so I, I watched all of these with interest, and um, 
Marissa tells me that there's a way I can find it on Apple, but I haven't quite seen it yet. Um, I don't know that I want to know <laughs> exactly because I feel like my listening is going to be very skewed by work because I'm listening really? to a lot of stuff for work, like streaming. I'm streaming different public radio stations. I'm streaming like through the apps. Uh, I'm listening to a lot mm. of podcasts. And so I guess if it was only looking at the music that I streamed, it's going to be like a whole bunch of songs I play on repeat. And those go mm -hmm. all across mm -hmm. the spectrum because I'm that person who – and I like a song, I'll listen to it over and over and over again, and then I'll move on to another song and listen to it over and over and over again, mm -hmm. and et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, lots of people are telling me it's called Apple Music Has Replay. And uh, I used to have a Pandora account, Matthew, but I I mean, I guess it still exists. I haven't used it in a while. Um, so, no, I don't know. I don't know my listening habits, um, but I am, I don't know, half empty. I'd, I'd love to have a little bit more mystery of, you know, I feel like oh, listening right. to music is, you know, something that we're supposed to do to to rest and sort of not, like, calculate ourselves yeah. and measure yeah. ourselves. And I also listen to vinyl records sometimes. Good luck capturing that. Um, so, mm -hmm. I don't know. Yeah, no, look, I, I, I'm with you. I think I spend way too much time listening to you and being immersed in the news and the idea that just escaping with music and whatever is super healthy. Matthew Carroll makes a good point uh, that he says when he's writing scientific papers, I listen to Gregorian chants. Actually, wow. I do something similar, which is I have a, like specific music I listen to when I'm writing. I have specific music that I will listen to when I'm trying when I'm like super stressed and trying to like chill myself out during the work day. I have different music that I listen to like for fun. And so depending on what I'm doing, the music is so drastically different. Hmm. That's yes. interesting. Okay. Sorry, we went uh, on okay. too long. Drew. Yeah, whatever. It's our podcast. We can do what we want. Half full or half empty on the future of black Twitter. <laughs> oh, so so let's set this up, right? Kimberly, you talked about this today on tech. Yeah, so there what we interviewed uh, an academic. Uh, she's a PhD candidate at the University of Colorado yep. Boulder, uh, who has written on the power of black Twitter. And actually, we didn't get to this in the show, but she compared it to sort of the green book of old, which was sort of this book oh. and pamphlet that black people would use to find sort of safe places to stop when they were traveling in the Jim Crow South and elsewhere. And she was saying that black Twitter, sort of the amorphous black section of Twitter, if you may, um, created a similar vibe, sort of a safe space for black people to go and to find community and uh, at, uh, on some level a little bit of safety, but at the same time, you get exposed to a lot of trolls, especially more now. Apparently, um, usage of the N-word has skyrocketed uh, since Musk's takeover. Mm -hmm. And um, so there's been a lot of angst as people are considering leaving Twitter and what's going to happen to Twitter. Is Twitter going to break? What's going to happen to this very unique mm -hmm. community that was created online? And it was an interesting discussion. And the answer kind of is we don't know depends on where people 
gather next, but I don't know that we're ever going to recreate what that was. And I've definitely heard from a lot of the people who were really active in that space that they're just leaving. And um, I've definitely been tweeting less. Like I retweet stuff and I tweet work stuff, but I'm definitely less engaged on the platform than I was. And um, it's not just black Twitter, though. And she talks about that. It's also disability Twitter. It's also, you know, econ Twitter and gay Twitter and all these other communities that found space and community there. And I think that's going to be really sad if it actually leaves. So I'm half empty. (laughs) Book Twitter. Yes, Sarah. $44 billion decided to light it on fire and just destroy a bunch of stuff. It's, it's the most remarkable thing. Ryan Coleman points out something that I I saw earlier that tech Twitter is going to, he was pointing out that Molly, you know, did a big thing that Molly Wood, former host of make me smart, um, has done a big thing that she's leaving Twitter and going to Substack and, um, I've definitely, I think Jelani Cobb said he was leaving Twitter as well. Oh, wow. It's like He's the a lot d- of dean people. of the journalism school at Columbia. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Huh. Let me make sure I'm getting that right. <laughs> no, but no, I think he did, actually. I think you're right. Yeah. I think he did. Uh, all right. Sorry. A very, uh, a very yes, uh, quick right. and uh, unusual beer interstitial here. This is almost too floral. It's too, um, it tastes almost soapy. Which is weird. And the glass is clean. I have to say, Uh, I'm not in love with my drink today either. Um, What? I usually do this with with bourbon, but, you know, the only bourbon I had was this fancy bottle that my friend gave me and I didn't want to open it. And so the tequila was open. So I don't love it. So, 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 okay. So, all right. What time is it? Oh, screw it. We got time. It's our podcast. Why we can go not, as long as we want it's to. Our, it's our <laughs> podcast. That's exactly right. And right now, Marissa's staring your hair out. But look, why did you not want to open the fancy bottle? Because I want to like open it the next time we hang out. Okay, but the contents inside, whether they are freshly opened or, you know, halfway down the bottle, they'll still be good. Yeah, but I feel like if it's open, I'll be tempted to use it when, like, I don't really need to use it, and then then it might be gone by the next time. But you have to have your friend over sooner. That's all I'm saying. They live in New York. Uh, It's like what? It's like a four-hour drive. Shut up. (laughs) All right. Anyway. Anyway. All right. Okay, fine. Okay, Okay, fine. (laughs) True. So neither one of us like our drinks, and it's making us cranky and curmudgeon-y. Okay, (laughs) go ahead. That's exactly right. Oh, my God. True. True, save us, please, for the love of God. I have a topic nobody could be cranky about. Are you half full or half empty on the video assistant referee in the World Cup? Oh, man. So look, so here. Yeah, so so look, so VAR, Video Assistant Referee, was introduced into professional soccer a number of years ago in order to um, help the referee on the field make calls that are difficult, but also to help on the, on the objective calls, offside, where the, the ball has crossed the goal line uh, within the goalposts and underneath the goal, that is to say, in a goal. And it's getting a lot of press in, in the World Cup because, obviously, it's a big deal. Here's my thing with VAR. which is not, by the way, for the stock market weenies among you, value at risk. VAR is a really good tool. Here's my caveat. 
I think it has to be time limited. I don't think you can have the referee on the field talking to the VAR referee for 90 seconds, two minutes, three minutes. You can't do it. I think you get 45 seconds. You're either in or you're out. You change the call or you don't. You have a look or you don't. And then you move on. It's just too disruptive. That, sorry, I'm I'm totally soccer weaning out. I apologize. So that sounds like half empty. I'm I'm kind of half empty. I mean, I appreciate the the thought, but I'm mostly half empty on how it's being utilized. Yes. Um, I have zero opinions, so I'm just gonna go with yours, and I'm gonna go half empty. Go. Although I will say, I. I did encounter like I'm not really watching just because I don't I don't care. Um, but I did find a very entertaining Trevor Noah clip uh, this mm-hmm. week where he was talking about the Saudi Arabian team, right? Mm-hmm. And how the Saudi team represents the World Cup at its finest because I guess they were playing badly. And their coach was yelling at them in the locker room. But a lot of these teams, uh, you know, especially in, you know, non-European countries, still have coaches from Europe or the United States or wherever. Exactly. So that's exactly right. There's a video of the coach yelling. But the thing is, so the coach is from France. I'm going to get this right. The coach is from France, right? But the translator that the Saudis hired for the team doesn't speak French. So the coach is yelling at the team in English, and the translator is translating the coach yelling at the team into Arabic, and it is hilarious to watch. I enjoyed it. (laughs) What, What could possibly go wrong? Yeah, look, I love the World Cup. I'm going to get up at 6 o'clock tomorrow morning on a Saturday to watch the Americans in the Netherlands, but... Uh, anyway, <laughs> anyway, so that's where I am on VAR. Drew, save us from this soccer tempest. Last topic. Oh, wait, so we have a poll. Oh, Everybody topic. get poll, ready. Poll, poll, poll. Yes. Okay. Everybody get All ready. Right. Oh, wait, hold on a second. I'm seeing complaints the of the video. What? What? Okay, just want to make sure. Okay, go ahead. Let's do what, it. Our, Let's do our it. video video? No, no, no. I think it was just somebody, one person. I think it's just you, Christian. Oh, right. Kristen. Okay. Anyway, let's do it. Okay. okay. This week, Pepsi launched a campaign encouraging people to try mixing their Pepsi with milk and use the hashtag Pilk and Cookies. Are you half full or half empty? I have thoughts. I think you should share oh, those wait. thoughts. No, 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 I think you I've share. Been, I've been told I believe by you to wait until everybody has weighed in. I said to wait to give your half full, half empty until everybody oh, okay. has right. weighed okay. in. But I think okay. you can give your thoughts leading okay. up to it. It's sort of like a ramp up. Builds the excitement. Okay. All right. That's fair. Okay. So uh, I'm going to date myself here, but who remembers Laverne and Shirley? Okay. And of course you remember Laverne and Shirley mixing milk and Pepsi. Do we remember that? Oh, yes. No, definitely it happened. Definitely it happened. I'm sorry. I have to Google this now. I'm going to be back on this podcast in about 90 seconds. Kimberly, you take it. Okay. Well, in the meantime, as someone who definitely likes to mix all sorts of things together for drinking purposes, um, I don't (laughs) know how those – I'm trying to imagine those two flavor profiles. Like – we were very much a Pepsi household growing up. My mother had cases and cases of Diet Pepsi, like always on hand. And I 
didn't really get a lot of exposure to Coke products until Coca-Cola products until I was older. And um, I think I prefer it. Um, And so I always find Pepsi to be very, very sweet. It's very sweet. Yeah, super sweet. The aftertaste I'm trying to, like, I don't drink a lot of milk either because I'm lactose intolerant. So I don't know, man. Okay, did you find uh, what you were looking for? I, I did. And let me just tell you that the third entry that comes up when you put in milk Pepsi is Laverne and Shirley. And so there was an episode of the Laverne and Shirley show in which they mixed milk and Pepsi. And I don't want to go farther down this rabbit hole, but I was not wrong. Um, wait, so Drew, repeat the question, please. <laughs> Do you want to drink it or not? <laughs> I do not want to drink it. No, I do not it's want so it in brilliant. a house. I do not want it on a mouse. I do not want it in a box or with a fox. I do not want it. No. <laughs> it seems like you do not want it, Kai. I am. <laughs> no, I do not. I, I, Kai, I am. That's right. I do not want it. No. Oh my God. I also do not want it. Although a lot of people in the chat are pointing out that it's effectively a float. Like equivalent to a, a well, melted like root beer float kinda, or something like that. Kind of. That's true. That's that's kind of true. Yeah, With a little ice I, cream in I, there. I, I, yeah. yeah. All right. Let's see how. Oh, when I right, clicked you, on the you, poll, you it, out, it I, made. I can't. The poll made oh the God. chat go away. <laughs> oh, that's wait, sad. Wait, wait, hold on. Because I can't get the slack from here. <laughs> oh, my God. We're both just incompetent we're today. We're pathetic. Also, we're both, both basically sober because we don't like our drinks. Yeah, uh, I know. I have not right. made much progress on this. All right. So, all right. So, all right. here you go. So, uh, oh, my goodness. So, the poll is complete with 191 votes. Half empty on uh, Milk and Pepsi, 90%. Half full, 9%. I would like a word with the 9% of you who said half full. Just saying. Yeah, I think we might judge you a little. (laughs) Sorry. Just, you know, a little bit. Yeah. A little bit. No, a lot. Let's let's be honest. Oh, my Lordy B. Drew. (laughs) Get us out of here. All right. So we are done on a Friday, mercifully. What time is it? I'm sorry. I'm looking at the clock. Look at that. We went almost a half an hour. Oh. Uh, Anyway. Okay. Yeah. That's fine. So we're done. we got to get out of yes. here. Back next week. If you have questions you want us to answer for a, what do you want to know Wednesday, it's about business, the economy, tech, or anything actually, let us know. Please, please, please. Yes, please do. Uh, you can reach us at our number, which is 508-UB-SMART. You can leave us a voicemail. Or you can email us at makemesmart at marketplace.org. It's funny. So right now, like Marissa and Courtney and Bridget, if she's listening, and Donna, they're just, all like, they're just like, what do you people know? Make Me Smart is produced by Marissa Cabrera and Courtney Birdseeker. Today's episode was engineered by Drew Jostad, who also wrote the theme music for Half Full, Half Empty. The team behind our Friday game is Mel Rosenberg and Emily McCune. Bridget Bodner is our senior producer, who, as we've said, is on Million Bazillion. And Francesca Levy is the executive director of Digital. All right, so you know what's funny? So here's how much of that beer I'm leaving undrunk. I'm, d- I'm not into this beer, which is really yeah, rare. Yeah, is there you go. Look at that, right? Yeah, it's kind of yeah. wild. A little sad. I feel like tragic. I'm looking all over the place today. I'm adjusting to this new setup. I got to get my camera situation good. worked out. It's all yeah. good. But we it's represented the swag. Talking to your backseat babies about money can be so hard. In fact, you probably don't even know where to start. 
So that's where the newest version of the Million Bazillion Academy steps in, our email newsletter course. You can start whenever, and you'll get a new lesson each week that you and your kids can complete at your own pace. They'll learn about crypto, the stock market, and so much more. And best of all, it's free. Million Bazillion Academy, making kids smarter about money. Sign up today at marketplace.org slash academy.